I've been around a lot longer. Yeah, that's true. You, you do have a cockroach effect. And get rid of them. Donovan McNabb is with us today. CJ Fair joins us. We are joined to open the show by Josh Black. Just overall competition, right? That, that's exactly what we needed for this team. One in ten is not something you really want to use as fuel. If Steve got in a fight, I'd come to his defense because he's my bro. <laughs> if you were on the ropes, I would have stepped in. You didn't need my help. Hands off. Tucker feels his way in around his own man, and he scores untouched. It's a touchdown for Sean Tucker. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Pauly Sebelia. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines open all of our number one. We've got just one guest lined up for you. We've got Mike McAllister from Syracuse on SI. He'll join us at 1 o'clock. Other than that, we want to talk SU football with you. 315-437-7644. We'll mix in some basketball as well. But we want to talk Cuse football following that 41-36 win on the road at Virginia Tech. My partner, uh, back from Blacksburg. It had been a while since you'd been down to Lane Stadium, Paulie. Was it uh, everything you uh, remembered? Yeah, it was awesome. I forgot how cool the Inner Sandman was. Like It gave me chills. Like It was awesome. It, it was fun. And that was a, a, a pretty entertaining football game as well. They've all been entertaining yeah. for the past uh, month or so, Steve. So they have. Yeah, I could not complain. It was a it was a fun trip. Left with a smile on my face. It was it was fun. Yeah. I, I know this breaks the streak of four straight games decided by a field goal, but it felt like it, right? It felt like a fifth straight game with all the drama goes down to the wire. Obviously, Cuse wins by five, but this was another one that one play here or there goes against you, and maybe you lose. Uh, they made the play this time, though. They made the plays, plural, to pull out this victory. And they needed to because they're, you know, they're down two possessions with five and a half to go, and you figure the game's over. But they, they did everything right in the final 525 to, uh, to come away with a win. Yes, but they also could have put themselves in a position that they didn't need yeah. to be in. No doubt. That tight of a game. Because of the decisions they made in the first half. You know, I said this over the weekend that they won this game by five. What's most impressive to me about this win is that they were, they had to be like two touchdowns better than Virginia Tech to win that game, right? Because there was the three point swing on the extra point that got blocked and then they took that back. Then there was, you know, essentially another seven points you left on the table at the very end of the half, at least three points. So you're talking. You know, you're talking ten points plus you win by five. You you had to be two touchdowns better than them because of the mistakes you made. You had to be that much better than Virginia Tech in order to get the win. And they were, and it was. I, I was talking to uh, the broadcast team from Virginia Tech, and the the last thirty seconds of the first half was the worst coached thirty seconds I've ever both seen sides. by both sides. Yeah, it was the worst clock management. And you bring up that I'm already going to get into the blame the refs. You got that block punt. I don't know if it was visible on TV, but the whole Virginia Tech coaching staff was on the field you're not, while they were returning that. You say you're not the only person who said that. I've heard and that was, multiple times co- now. It was outrageous. You couldn't really tell on the on the broadcast version on TV. But Their head I, coach I've heard was that. literally on the twenty. Yeah, and could have thrown a block if he needed to. It was outrageous that nothing was called. You know, we said uh, going into this, that one, doesn't give away the block. You know, right. the block and the, the the special teams has been awful. Special right. teams has been awful. I will say this: when you look at um, when you look at unsung heroes from this game, 
You know, everybody's going to look at Schrader, obviously, and and we'll we'll get more into Schrader. He's winning me over every week. He's he's winning no, he, me over a little bit. The more. right decision's been made, no doubt. Yes, no doubt. The right decision has been made. There's no doubt about that. He's he's been getting better and better. Um, you know, so Schrader obviously had a big hand in this. Tucker again, obviously had a big hand in this. But when you're looking for unsung heroes in this game, I think you have to point to. Trevor Pena, I think, is one of them. That return. The return after yeah. Virginia Tech went up by nine uh, to get it back across midfield and then to set them up for a fairly quick drive where they were able to score. Um, and then even on the, the final punt, he ran it back 15 to 17 yards. You know, he, he gave yeah. them a little bit of a head start on that drive. He also had an end around that he, he picked up 19 yards on. I thought he was the, one of the unsung heroes. And I think we have to mention Deuce Chestnut as well. Uh, that long run in the second half when it looked like it was going to be a touchdown and, and then he came him. out of nowhere and, uh, and, and was able to, to tackle uh, the running back from behind. And then they held them to a field goal instead of a touchdown. I think that is another one of those plays that you got to point out because if that goes for a touchdown, most likely the end result of that game is different. Yeah, it, it was an entertaining game. There's, you know, it, It's funny that we all key on certain plays, but you're right. There are a lot of things that happen in a football game that we we, we tend to like get mad about clock management. But for a player like Deuce Chestnut to run down the running back and tackle him on a play that he had no business getting to him on is also coaching and the coach needs credit for that to get his players to play that hard, you know. Yeah, uh, it came out of nowhere. Tackled Thomas. They hold him to a field goal. Um, and, and again, I, I think if he scores there, I do think the outcome of the game is, is is most likely different. Getting back to Garrett Schrader, I know that when we first started seeing him play, you know, people would bring up the comparisons with Eric Dungy, and I was like, no, we're not going there. I mean, Dungy was an all time great quarterback in this program. You, you can't compare the two right now. I will say this, after seeing him play the last five weeks, there are comparisons. He he has he has the it, right? He has the it factor in terms of when the game is on the line. Even going back to the Clemson game, he got them in field goal range. It just so yeah. happens that they missed the field goal. You know, he he did all the things in the Florida State game, in the Wake Forest game. Wake Forest game, he puts them on a last last minute drive, goes down, they score. Obviously they lose the game in overtime. But he is late game situations. Garrett Schrader has been very good, and he did it again, scoring you know two touchdowns in the last five and a half minutes. You know, a pass to Courtney Jackson, a pass to to Damian Alford, um, and uh, you know once again, just like in the Clemson game where his best pass, he took a big shot. That that touchdown pass to Damian Alford, I mean, he got drilled and delivered a strike. And don't forget how good the wide receivers were. The, there were two catches in that game, the Alford one at the end. And another, where the receiver caught the ball reaching back and over the defender. And, and Garrett Schrader under, woefully underthrows balls, but it also puts him in a position where only his receivers are catching them. So that's true. I guess that's one way to look at yeah, it. So um, he he needs to work on his accuracy. I mean, yeah. because he when he misses, sometimes he misses badly, and you're like, whoa. Um, but with that being said, and and you know what, Dungy w- wasn't exactly the most accurate passer either. And right. That's why I say like he's got the it factor. Like he finds a way. That's what we said about Dungy, right? He's a winner. He finds ways to win games. 
And even though they lost the last couple of weeks, he found a way in the Wake Forest game to send that to overtime. He found a way in the Clemson game to get them in field goal range. When nothing was going right, they're down 17-7, scores a touchdown, that gets them into field goal range. And then this week, same thing, down nine with five and a half to go. He finds a way on back-to-back drives to get him into the end zone. Um, yeah. He's not perfect by any means, but I, I tell you what, he's he's certainly winning me over. He's not the complete package that Dungey was, but... He's better on his legs. I'm yeah. willing to say that. He's a better runner than Dungey. He's harder to bring down. Yeah. I mean, he's he's bigger. He's, he's got also a bigger not frame. quite as uh, fragile yeah. as uh, yeah. Dungey was that's, either. And that's he fair. Hit, and that's he fair. take the hit. But, yeah, um, you brought up Schrader's uh, attitude down the stretch and how he plays down the stretch. Here, here is uh, Schrader, Here's Coach Baber's postgame on Schrader. Not that he's getting more reps. Right. Oh, apparently, we're playing multiple things right now. So, this is... Great. There we go. Schrader, and I look at the things he's done, and I, I just think he really, really wants to win really, really bad. When you've been somewhere and then someone says you can't, and then you go somewhere else, and now people say you can, you don't want to let them down. Interesting way to look at it. And and we, we've seen that out of Schrader, right, that he he's taken this all in stride, you know, from – even in even in the preseason, he just he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He just kind of goes out there and does his thing. And we've seen him steadily improve with each week. And you're right, he's not the finished product, he's not the complete package. But by this time next year, he might be. Right? Or, you know, I mean, it, to your point, you've said this many times when I've brought up his passing. You said, Steve, he's got to shake off two years of rust. Um, he does, and little by little. He's impressed. I think he threw the ball as well his as he as we've seen him throw the ball in a game uh, on Saturday against Virginia Tech. Here's Babers on his throwing. He he throws okay, you guys. <laughs> he throws okay. It ain't it. It's not the prettiest thing, but it'll get better. You know what I mean? It'll get better, and it may not it may not change this year, but you've got two more years for it to change. So he'll get better, but um, he did okay. You know, I I question when they first made the move. If this was a temporary fix and it was just to try to get through this year, win as many games as you can, and was this sustainable? And again, I my my mind is changing as I watch him each week that he very much looks like the quarterback for the next two and a half years. Right. You know, we'll discuss this in the next hour too, Steve. I'll question a coach on play calls, you know, t- clock management, you know, mistakes that are evident. I, I tend not to question coaches when it comes to you know, personnel. They're, they're going to play the guys that are the best, you know, whether it's football or basketball. And, and Schrader, clearly, the coaches think he was the better quarterback and are using him. And they've watched a lot more football. And, you know, because on the outside looking in, this was a no brainer to 90% of Syracuse. That Devito was the better quarterback, and we, we it was a head scratcher. And now we look at it; they won a game on the road. They played close against Clemson in Wake Forest, potentially two of the best teams in the ACC. Clemson probably not now after the pit game, oh, but yeah. but you know they've made the right decision. And, and when you say everybody thought that Devito was the the guy, you're right. Um, 
part of that, though, was I don't think we were all expecting that he was going to change the offense in the middle of the season, right? Because because of what we've seen for five years. We've seen up-tempo and and not so much the last couple of years. They were trying to shorten the game because of injuries and whatnot, but it was a lot of, you know, going to the air, and we didn't think Schrader was, was able to do that. That is certainly not his strength, but they have changed their identity on the fly. Um, with Sean Tucker, who continues to be outstanding, set a school record over the weekend, uh, sixth straight 100-yard rushing game, never been done before in the history of Syracuse football. When you think about all the great running backs that have been through this program, it never been done before, six straight games of 100 r- yards rushing. Um, but it now belongs to to one Sean Tucker. They have changed their identity on the fly, and he is certainly the better quarterback for this kind of offense. Right, and he may be the better quarterback for Dino Babers' kind of offense. We may... You know, we 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 say it's slow, and you know they're still putting up a ton of points. You come in after a year of playing, a full camp, full spring ball, you know, and you throw in the wrinkle of hey, everything we did last year, we're going to do at that up tempo. Could be could be a lot of fun to watch this team next year. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, you you said to me before the before we started the show, and it's something we can get to more, and I'm, I'm sure we will get to it more, you said, is is Dino Babers off the hot seat now? Um, I do think this goes a long way because while the games have been close, if he were to not win another ACC game, you know, obviously they would finish winless in the conference. That That's hard to point to that and yeah. say, you know, bringing him, you're bringing him back. He didn't win a single ACC game. The games have been competitive. Obviously, you know they've they've been right there and lost to be right there and then to win one on the road at Vatech. I, I think it goes a long way toward he's coming back. Yeah, um, I'm about ninety percent there, Steve. Uh, you can't ignore the mistakes that the coaching staff has made, but you also can't ignore the fact that this team now has, and this might sound shocking to you, Steve. You can see a bowl game. You beat BC and Louisville. And those are the two that you probably got to win. Yeah. Those are two winnable games. See, here's the thing. If you lose that game, and you're absolutely right, Paul, you lose that game, the math doesn't really work in your favor because you've got, and I know, obviously, NC State lost. Um, so, But let's, for the sake of argument, NC State and Pitt are both ranked teams. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, I know yeah. NC State dropped dropped the game and, and fell down in the rankings, but they're essentially a top 25 team. And that's on the road. And then and, and if you lost against Virginia Tech, you, you would have to win three of four instead of two of four. Now the math works in your favor that if you could beat BC with a backup quarterback, then you get a week off. And I know Louisville is, you know, Louisville's still ahead of where you are, and it's a road game. It's a winnable game, though. It really is. Now, is it too much to ask for this team that had lost throw the way they lost three in a row to then go win three in a row? Because that's it. That's what they would have to do. They beat Virginia Tech. You're talking about beating BC by week and then beating Louisville. Can they do that? That remains to be seen. But at least the math is kind of working in your favor now. Yeah. And even if you beat BC, the bowl game is still, you know, you got three shots at it. You know? Right. And, and even, like, we look at Syracuse football the past 20 years, even in this job. You, you, usually this week in football season, we're moving on. Yeah, we're fir- mo- first exhibition games yeah, on Wednesday. We're and the, moving you on turn to basketball. Page, yeah. yeah, you kind of just ignore what's happening on the football field, and you're moving on. But 
we're rolling into the last week of October, and there's a bowl game still on the on yeah. the horizon. If you can get it, might not be a pretty one, but and I know it's you know the players and the coaches can't do this, but for those of us in the media, and I know fans listening, you you keep going back to those last three games and saying, man, what could have been right? Four and four right now with those three heartbreaking losses. You know, if you if you get two. If you won one. Well, if you win one, you're in a whole... I yeah. was going to say, you win two of the four that you've lost. Because, again, the Rutgers game was on the table, too. I mean, the Rutgers game, it wasn't a one-possession game, but it certainly felt like it. Um, you also wonder if you played Trader in that game, had, would they won? Right. Um, I mean, now looking back, yeah. you know, if you had split those toss-up games at the beginning of the year, now you're, I mean, now you're talking six and two. Uh, and, again, I know the players and coaches can't think that, and but... It it just you know it does make you wonder what could have been. Yeah, if they sneak out another couple wins, there will be a you know something else that doesn't happen. Is there'll be a positive outlook going into next football? Season. Sure. Like the expectations will be, hey, we're going to another bowl game and we're getting more than six wins, which is something that doesn't happen very often. We needed to see a step forward this year, and I and I think that we have. Um, now let's see how the last four games yeah. go. But to this point, we've I don't seen think a step he's forward. fully off the hot seat yet. But he did a hell to of a lot. To this point, though, we've seen a step forward. Yeah. Like if this he, is a better football team than last year. Yeah. And if that's all that it takes, then yeah, he saved his job. And here's the thing: if if Schrader doesn't hit Damian Alford there, and this is a loss today that we're talking about, that was what could have been and what should have been, the narrative today is completely different. Yeah. It is completely different, and it just again just shows you the the fine line between winning and losing uh, at this level. We do have to take our first time out, but again, we want to talk Q's football with you three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Take our first break here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk dot com. This is Orange Nation. It's first down, clock running at 25, snap back, Trader hit on the release, falls down the seam left, Alfred reaches up, he's got it, he's into the end zone, he's off the never, never land, and the Orange have the lead. Matt Park on the call, great call yeah. by Matt Park, You know, perfect I, time. I was there and it didn't even, didn't even phase me and then. The Twitter was a buzz yeah. with, with his call. Yeah, you know, fantastic call, fantastic timing. Um, yeah, that's why Matt Park. Ju- yeah, is as good as he is. Yeah, just pooping all over their tradition. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just smushing it right in their face. What a win uh, for this team as well as they improved to four and four. And again, uh, if that play does not happen. The narrative, the conversation today, it is completely different. We're talking about the end of the first half, and we're talking about the missed opportunities, and why does this keep happening, and so yeah. on and so forth. But uh, you could potentially lose the locker room too if they had lost that game. And I, I, you guys were there. The Virginia Tech fan base. You, I, I thought Syracuse's fan base is a really tough. Other coaches. The whole crowd was chanting "Fire Fuentes" yeah. multiple times yeah. in that game. Yeah, it's it, you. You get the sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had several guests. I know you weren't here Friday. We had Bill Roth on the show Friday. Um, John Laser was on the show Friday, and they, they both essentially said the same thing: that you know his job is very much in jeopardy down there. Um, and this felt like one that he needed to have. You know, talk about both these coaches needed to have yeah. this win, and 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 Dino got it. Yeah, and. It's not something I'm happy to say, but losing to Syracuse isn't very good for your resume for anybody right. at this And point. again, to lose it like that. You're up nine 
with five and a half minutes to go. You should salt away that win. Yeah. Um, I get it. Syracuse salt. There you go. Did they you uh, they couldn't get it done. Let's go to the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Steven North Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I want to make one quick point about the uh, blocked uh, kick return, and then I want to talk about Garrett Schrader. Uh, it's been mentioned several times that the Virginia Tech sideline was out on the field, which should have resulted in a penalty to negate it. But there's, uh, there's been a lot of talk on SyracuseFan.com that I'm on about how if you look at the replay, it looked like Bear Williams of Syracuse had possession of the ball briefly, and the rule is that when the kicking team gains possession of a blocked extra point, the play's over. And even though he subsequently fumbled it and it was picked up and run the rest of the way, that's two reasons why that that should not have counted. And it would have made a, a big difference because, uh, you know, we, we could have been ahead at the end of the game even without the, the pass if that play had gone our way. Uh, as far as Schrader goes, uh, uh, the Dungey comparisons are becoming more and more relevant. I don't think he's the passer Dungey was. Dungey was not a great passer, but he was a he was a good one. Schrader is uh, even in this game he was less than fifty percent. But uh, I think Schrader's going to look better and better as the receivers continue to mature. Uh, uh, I think Alford and Jackson and Pena could be uh, weapons uh, that could make a quarterback like Schrader look really, really good. As a runner, um, uh, both Dungey and Schrader actually run more like fullbacks uh, uh, because of their, their size, and they obviously don't mind contact. But Schrader uh, is much more elusive than Dungey. He can... Uh, twist and turn and he, he makes cuts and he's capable of running it in all the way as we saw against Florida State. I think he's faster than Dungy, so he might be an, an even bigger uh, threat there. And I think Dino Babers and his staff have to get credit for choosing the right guy and for adapting their strategy to the available talent rather than having a system where you, uh, you try to plug people in and if you have a, a square peg in a round hole, then it's, it's not going to work. They've been flexible enough to make this work with Schrader. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Steve. I, I do think Dino needs credit. It deserves credit for making this switch and to, to you know not only switching quarterbacks but then switching philosophies on the fly. Um, you play to your strengths. Their strength is Sean Tucker. Their strength is the legs of of Garrett Schrader. Um, and you mentioned that you know Schrader's faster than Dungey. Um, he can absorb a hit. To your point, Paul, yeah. you brought that up in the first segment. He could absorb a hit a little bit better than Dungey. I mean, Dungey had no fear. He would take on anyone. But you know, Schrader's got a little more size to him. And I, I have been very impressed these last few weeks with Garrett Schrader that you know he doesn't throw a great ball. He's going to continue to get better and better. At least he's shown to this point he's going to continue to get better and better. Um, but I, I'm excited to see what he looks like at this time next year. I'm also excited to see, I said this last segment, um, what the offense is going to look like next year also. Because everybody's going to have a year under their belt, and they have changed the philosophy. And it may just be doing it this way because it's easier you know, for a young team. And if they can sprinkle in some of the, the oranges of the new fast offense with these guys, you know, the receivers get better, the line's got another year under its belt, um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because even if they're running it like they are, and they're, but they're doing it at a pace where the defense can't set up, 
it'll be interesting to see if they go in that direction next year or if this is the new if this is the new offense of the Syracuse Orange. You, you want balance. And right. and when Dino got here, he said they were going to move fast, but his hope was to have balance. His hope was average 200 yards rushing per game, average, you know, 200 yards passing per, you know, and some. But he that was the hope, right? That you would have at least 200 yards rushing, at least 200 yards passing. They did it in this game against Virginia Tech. They had 236 yards passing and Schrader and Tucker combined for what one, uh, 286 uh, on the ground between the two of them, um, and that doesn't even include you know Jackson had a 12 yard gain, Pena had a 17 yard gain, so they went over 300 yards on the ground, um, and that that's the balance that they're looking for. Yeah, CBW in our uh, Q Sports Talk chat calling us out for not uh, mentioning the brutal disorganization at the end of the half. Um, they are just joining us, so they did not hear us talk about that. Uh, I said last segment. I think Dino Babers 90% saved his job with this win, but the in-game coaching is still hanging over his head. Yeah, and we did mention in the first segment, and you know, basically what I said was that if if not for the Schrader to Alfred in the final seconds, that's all we're talking about today, yes. right? That is all we're talking about is what happened at the end. And and yes, we've got to bring that up. We've got to bring up the, the special teams nightmare. Yeah, it's um, a disaster. Schmidt is struggling. Williams is struggling as punter. I mean, they obviously had a, a kick blocked and taken back for a two-point conversion. Like, things that just cannot happen. The end of that first half, that cannot happen. Um but they were able to get, and get a win, which, again, if they didn't get the win, that's all we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, and Listy also in our Q Sports Talk saying, didn't Schrader Alford save his job? Yeah, but uh, the coaches called the play and uh, brought those two into the system. So they kind of saved their own job. Yeah, I, I tell you what, they the final five and a half minutes of that game, a lot had to go right, mm-hmm. and a lot did go right. Like yeah. Syracuse did pretty much everything right in those final five and a half minutes. Um, even the defense getting the stop, like you know, we kind of glossed over that. But Syracuse needed to score twice. They score, yes, they gave up a first down on first down, but then they used their timeouts and they had to get. You, you knew if they get another first down, the game's over. Syracuse got the stop, they got the ball back, and. And they, they made it happen. So, uh, so many big plays in the final five and a half minutes. It wasn't just Schrader to Alford. A lot had to go right. And there's a there's a certain part of this fan base that's never going to be happy with Dino Babers. If he gets six wins this year, five wins, that's better. You know, you can be quiet for one more year. You know, his contract's up in a year, right? Yeah. You know, you can, you can take it. Because five, six wins for Syracuse football is sadly pretty... Good. Six wins this year uh, would be impressive. Coming off a of one in ten. Yeah, and it's Especially there. when you gave away two or three games. Yeah, yes. To get the six wins, that would be it's, impressive. It's there. It's there for the taking. You, I think BC Louisville are very winnable football games. Yeah, if they're going to get the six, they really, really need this BC game on Saturday. Let's get back to the phone line. Scooter and Jamesville up next on the show. Hey, Scooter. Well, I made a prediction, and of course I put my money where my mouth is, but I made also a prediction that uh, Syracuse might have more wins than Boise State this year. And right now, uh, Syracuse has got four and Boise has got three. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it looked at the, you know, I think you guys looked at the landscape, too, of the ACC. And from a Nationals perspective, it's not going to be pretty. And I'm looking at next year because I don't think Clemson's going to come close to the, be a, you know, giving a, a, for, for granted being the top ten. Because uh, you got three losses, and I don't see anything on the horizon. And and Syracuse is going to improve, which is going to be great for the ACC as far as in the ACC. But uh, to me, uh, this offense 
can work in the ACC because uh, I just, I mean, I just, I, I just can't believe that you can uh, run the ball. But with Tucker, he's so special. I don't know if those same plays without Tucker are going to work. And as long as he stays healthy, and he went down, I think this game for for one play and going, here we go. And it allows Schrader to do what he does because they have to worry about Tucker. If there's no Tucker, then Schrader's going to be the number one guy they're going to go after. And it's it's fun to watch. Um, it, it, it's great. And but still, I agree. I think Schrader saved maybe Baber's job because if, if that was Scott Schaefer at the end of the first half, we would all be ripping them. And uh, if they won the game, that's great. And hopefully they don't do that. But one thing about Clemson. And I said this two years ago. I, I always thought they're a little bit been a paper tiger nationally. I mean, there is, there is enough people that can punch Clemson in the mouth in the ACC, but when they get punched in the mouth, they don't react too good. LSU punched them in the mouth in the championship game, and they were in, and Clemson was pedestrian. Ohio State did the same thing, and there isn't enough teams in the ACC that can do that. And Syracuse came close. Syracuse plays a physical type of uh, off. When they, when they beat him that Friday, they punched him in the mouth in the first quarter, and Clemson didn't react too good. And the two games down there, we, you know, we had the game wrapped up and, until that fourth and sixth. That, to me, it, it's going to hurt nationally because if, some, if somebody like Pittsburgh can't pick up the, the, the mantle, uh, I don't, you know, the ACC is going to be like the Big East for the next couple of years, which is good for Syracuse because they might win the, you know, they might win the uh, the ACC. But from a national perspective, I think the ACC is going to be hurting for the next couple of years nationally. Yeah, I mean this this Clemson team. I, is, I wouldn't give up on Clemson. Yeah, I, w- I was just going to say this particular Clemson team is is falling short of their standards. But yeah, let's see what happens moving forward. Did you see highlights from the game? By the way, did you see that pick six that he threw the shovel pass? No. There was a local kid from Pitt, by the way, Vasi Dennis, who who went to CBA, who returned it. But that was kind of the backbreaker. Uh, I'd take being a paper tiger any year. DJ tried to throw a shovel pass. He threw it right to Vasi Dennis, who took it back uh, for a touchdown. That was really the backbreaker in the game. Clemson's not good this year. I mean, just plain and simple. They're just not good. Um, I don't know how that happens. But I guess you know every program is allowed you know one bad year. Let's see how they follow it up. But yeah, I wouldn't count on yeah. Clemson either. And taking a punch in the mouth from Ohio State and LSU—that's you know, you know that that'll happen. That's not getting punched in the mouth by Syracuse or Wake Forest. And again, it's really on the offensive end where they they've struggled. I mean, they held Georgia to essentially just a field goal. Georgia won it on a pick six. But yeah, this this Clemson team is is not good. Let's get one more in this segment. Uh, we'll go to uh, Marty in Tampa. He's up next on the show. Hey, Marty. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are hey, you? I, I'm good. I want to start. I'm overjoyed with the win. It was a great win, you know. Um, but it, I don't know if this is going to talk that a lot about a lot a little bit on the um, the chat rooms. But okay, we score a touchdown to go ahead and the game forty thirty six. We're up four. We kick. An extra point, 41-36. Okay, we're up five. A touchdown beats us. If some Hail Mary, which almost got complete, um, or actually will beat us. Why didn't Dino go for two there? We get two, and we're up six. If they score Hail Mary, the game is tied. Maybe something crazy happens. They miss the extra point. Um, like we miss an extra point or we block the extra point and the game is tied. It goes in overtime. Has anybody talked why he didn't go for two 
at 40 to 36. Um, no, that's an, that's an interesting point. I didn't think of it like that. I, I do wonder, um, if you're betting on the, you know, a missed extra point. Yeah. I mean, likely not going to have, I understand your point, Marty, you know, maybe he wants to take all, uh, you know, um, the precaution of if they throw like a, uh, interception, they take it back for a two point conversion. And now it's, now you're talking about a two point game and then you lose by a field. I don't know. It, it's, that's an interesting question, Marty. So you think they you think they should have gone for two, and then if Virginia Tech scores, hope that they miss the extra point. That's your point: is that at least it gives you a chance if they were to score. Yeah, that, that, that's the only thing I was thinking of. You know, um, it would have been a six point lead. Let's say they okay. they score, the game is tied, and then you know we'd have to block the field goal. They have to miss the field goal, which isn't likely. I understand that, but right. God, look look at us. We screwed up an extra point royally. You sure, know? sure, Maybe, sure. Yeah, uh, maybe Virginia Tech could, but you know, I'm glad we won. It saved our season. It, like you said, it saved Dino's job. If he had another one of these losses after all, all the bungles that he did last game, I, you know, I don't know how he could survive. But we won the game, and that's the main thing. And we're happy and positive, and things are looking up. And you know, I, I think we can get to six. I think we can get to six. All right, Marty, appreciate you checking in. Um, it just goes to show you uh, that one play. Again, if if they don't make that play at the end of the game, it's all we're talking about is is the mismanagement at the end of the half and the special teams disaster that we've seen the last couple of weeks and, and so on and so forth. You know, Marty brings up an interesting point. I'm not going to crush the coaches on not going for two there. I understand what he's saying, mm-hmm. um, but – you know, maybe they wanted to remove the possibility of because we already, you know, we saw an extra point return for a two point conversion. You don't want there to be a a, a pick two, for lack of a better term, yeah. a pick six uh, that turns into a two point conversion, and now all of a sudden it's a two point game. So I, I don't know why they didn't, but again, I you know maybe it's just to give Andre Schmidt some confidence. Um, it, you know, to see the you know ball go through the hoop, so to speak, with a basketball player to see the ball go through the the goalpost, but. Um, they got the win, and, and again, it does. It changes the whole complexion of our conversation today. We do have to take a timeout. We're up against the clock. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines open the rest of the way, 315-437-7644. We'll keep football uh, on the table, but we finished that interview talking some basketball with Mike McAllister, and uh, the preseason schedule gets underway on Wednesday. First exhibition game inside the Dome Wednesday night against Pace, and um, there may have been a, a soundbite that piqued your interest from Friday. I know you weren't here on Friday, but... Uh, but Jim Beheim uh, and the Orange held their annual media day, and um, there's something that may have uh, caught your attention, Paul. He was asked why Joe Girard played over Kadari Richmond, Steve. Kadari never worked hard at the game. He never had coming in, didn't work hard last year, and really was not in the condition. He played 21 minutes a game, and that was about all he could play. And uh, he was hurt a lot, had a lot of setbacks. Uh, I just think Joe was more consistent, uh, obviously a better shooter, uh, just a more consistent player. And people talk about Kadari's steals, but Joe was second on the team and second, like, top 10 in the league in steals. So the defensive difference wasn't that big, but I think Joe was just more solid and uh, uh, 
obviously a much better outside shooter. So, But Kadari was good, and that's why he played 21 minutes a game. And if he'd have come back, he would have played probably 25, 26 minutes a game this year. And he chose Seton Hall. They have five guards. So we'll see if he, how, much, how many minutes he's going to play there. You just never know. All right, I'll, I'll sit back and I'll just let you do your thing. I just want to play the first part again really quick. Kadari never worked hard at the game. He never had coming in, didn't work hard last year. All right. I uh, I may have had a, a famous argument on this show about whether or not fans are at practice or not. I was never at practice last year because of COVID, but I do get to see prior to the games much earlier than everybody else does. And Kadari was never out there early, it, you know. I I said when Quincy left, this team's not going to be as good because Quincy left. Quincy was always out early practicing, you know, and he played a lot. Buddy's out. Joe, Girard, Joe Girard's out. The, there's players that are out working at the game, and you can see it. And you can see who's trying hardest to play. And if you're Jim Beheim, you got to run your program in a way that you're rewarded for practicing and trying hard. I'm sorry. You do. Kadari may go off, have a great year, go to the NBA, but ultimately when you're running a program, you can't let a player do what he did. And people are like, what about Mello? Mello practiced his ass off. You know? <laughs> he would have been one of the guys out there early on warming up prior to the games. We don't see what is going on behind the scenes in player development. I trust. I said this earlier about the Schrader switch. I'll call out coaches on X's and O's, bad timeouts, common sense things, but I'm not there to see what's going on behind the scenes and what makes this guy better than the other one. And, and I trust the player evaluations over a head coach more than a guy who sits in his basement and types on the internet. Thank you. Feel better now? Yeah. Yes. Well said. We'll take a break. We got to get back on time. I'm just going to let that hang there. If you want to check in, 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio.